You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. So we want to welcome you this morning. We're talking about strong to the finish. And we do have some people that also watch this on the web. And so if you're watching on the web, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy it and uh, are blessed by the word here this morning. Paul, like I mentioned, loved uh, sports. In the day, every city of size had a stadium, and he knew about race, foot racing. He knew about boxing, and he wrote about sports. I think he attended them. He would be attending today if he was here. He would have bought tickets, and he would have been involved engaging people, just like we are. And he would always come at it with an angle so that he could present Christ. It was about presenting Christ, and he found a way to present it. He would do the same thing if he was here today. He wrote to Timothy about finishing strong. You know, it's, not one thing to, it's one thing to run a race. It's another thing to finish a race, to finish strong. And he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. That is a good statement. I have finished the race. You can think of somebody... And I can think of somebody who started off really good, but you wonder what happened to them. Why didn't they finish the race? They were doing so good in their business. They were doing so good in their marriage and their family. They were doing so good as a pastor or whatever it is. Why didn't they finish the race? What happened? Paul said, I finished the race. And I have remained faithful. What a great statement. Now, he didn't write that as a man retiring by the beach in a little chalet or in the mountains somewhere or in his home, he wrote that in prison. End of his life, he's in a Roman prison. Tough conditions. He knows he's going to be executed for his faith. And in that condition, he says, I finished the race, kept the faith, ran strong. We want to learn about that. How do we finish strong? What are we going to do to finish strong? Are we just going to wing it? Just going to, hey, we'll play it by ear as it comes? Or do you think we have to prepare ourselves to finish strong? I think athletes prepare themselves to finish strong. A big part of it is keeping your, your head in the game, preparing. They know it's all about the finish. What about in life? Do we need to say, hey, what do I need to do to finish strong? What do I need to come through that finish line and, and, and really make it count? Hebrews, we read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Who's that? Those are those that have gone on before us that are watching us run. Let us strip every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. You might say, well, what sin is that? You'd know. You know what sin in your life you've got to watch so it doesn't hinder you. Maybe different than your neighbor, but typically there's some areas in our life we know that we just really have to watch so that it doesn't hinder our race. Then it says, let us run with endurance or patience the race God set before us. Athletes, they chose to be skiers, they chose to be bobsledders, or they chose to be uh, snowboarders. They made that choice. But God chose your race. He chose your course. He said, hey, I'm the designer. I've designed something for you. I'm the potter. You're the clay. And I have chose a course for you. Very clear. The race that God set before us. We do this how? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish, from A to Z. From Alpha Omega, all the way through, keep our eyes on Jesus. Today, we're going to use Joseph as an example. We could pick other people. Joseph is a great guy to use as an example. First 18 years of his life, he's uh, growing up in a home that's pretty dysfunctional. Gets sold into slavery from his brothers that don't like him. You know the story. They wanted to kill him, but they 
instead sold him to some traders. He gets led through the desert, handcuffed into Egypt, sold on the auction block as a slave. Potiphar buys him. He's the head of the king's royal guardsman. And for the next 12 years or so, he goes from being Potiphar's best man to prison. And then finally from prison, he jumps over and becomes second in command of the country. That's about when he's at 30 years of age. He lives to be 110. We tell the story about Joseph because Joseph finished strong. And yet, boy, he had to make some choices earlier on in life to get there. We had a speaker a couple of weeks ago who spoke at the Business by the Book, and she made a powerful statement at the end. She said, God didn't make winners. God didn't make losers. God made choosers. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. And God says, therefore, you choose. Choose life. He gives you the answer, by the way, to choose life. It's, the best. it's just in case you weren't sure. Choose life. Now, what can we learn from Joseph? A couple of things. Number one, you don't have a choice where you're born, but you do have a choice on how you die. I don't think any of us had the right to choose here. God didn't say to you, uh, would you like to be born in Canada, or do you like to be born in China, or would you like to be born in South America? What would you like? Nobody got asked that. Nobody was asked, would you like to be born to a rich family, or would you like to be born to a poor family? Would you like a functional home, or would you like the dysfunctional home? We have so many options. What would you like? You had no choice. You came into this world, you grew up, and one day you woke up and you say, oh, okay, this is what I got. And from there, you got to make some choices. Joseph, born into a home that had a lot of things going for it, a lot of things that weren't so good. And he had to make some choices early on in his life in order to finish strong. His home was dysfunctional. We'll find some of that out in the message this morning. He had a lot of brothers. He had a couple of moms. He had a sister. And they always didn't get along very well. Maybe you came from a home that you didn't get along so well. Maybe you came from a home that had some marriage mix-ups and whatnot. Well, you're not alone. It's not going to hold you back from finishing strong. You might say, well, I don't have enough education. I don't have enough money. I don't have a good enough family. If you've got God with you, you make some right choices, you can finish strong. What did Joseph do? Well, one thing he learned was be patient. Patience will be needed to stay in the race, to finish strong. Where did he learn patience from? I think he learned patience from his mom, Rachel. Do you know the story of Rachel, Jacob? Jacob, he's going back to where his ancestors come from. And he, he gets where the shepherds are, and there's a well there. The shepherds are hanging out by the well. Jacob pulls up, and, and uh, he says, hey, guys, how you doing? They kind of just throw him off and give him a short answer. He says, hey, any of you guys know Laban? Laban was related to him. He said, any of you guys know Laban? They go, yeah, we know him. Matter of fact, that's his daughter coming over there with the sheep. He goes, oh. So he, he looks over. Rachel comes with the sheep. It's a Valentine's story. <laughs> Got to throw a Valentine's story in here. She, she comes up with the sheep. And Jacob is smitten. He goes, whew. The Bible says 
She was beautiful in appearance and form. So, <laughs> Jacob's there. The guy's there around. He's, he's asked earlier, how come you guys aren't watering the sheep? And they give him some answer. You know, we've got to wait for all the sheep to get here. And he, he was a hard worker. And he says, come on, guys, get with it. It's the date, middle of the day. Let's do something. She comes up, and he sees her. And what he does what any guy does. He flexes his muscles. and <laughs> Hey, babe, look over here. Big stone over the well. He just reaches down there, flexes a bit, rolls that stone off the well. And he says to the guys, hey, wait a minute, boys, boys, hold back here. After you, ma'am. Just the gentleman comes over there, and he introduces himself, and they make a connection. He gives a little cultural kiss, and... Rachel is Twitter-pated. He's Twitter-pated. They are in love. He goes back to the house, long story short, and he says to her, Dad, I'd really like to marry your daughter. Man, we are in love. And Dad says, now, the dad's Laban. He's pretty tricky, pretty cunning. And he says, okay, tell you what. You can have my daughter's hand in marriage, but... You got to work for me for seven years. Seven years. It's 2010. That would be in 2017, you get to marry her. How I many of this is, most of it go, oh, oh, I think I'll try again. I liked her, but not that much. <laughs> but Jacob's like, no way. This, this, this is it. And he says, okay, seven years. I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I will work for seven years. He works for seven years. Seven year comes up, and Laban, he's, he's cunning as a fox. And he goes, this guy will do anything for her. He's, he's lost it. He's lost. He's just, you know, when two people fall in love, and they're just head over heels in love, sometimes they just lose some of their common sense. This, this, this is Jacob. So seven years comes up, and the wedding day happens, and dad brings in the bride. She's heavily veiled. And there's Jacob. Seven years. He's, can't wait. Seven years, guys. Wedding day. They go through the little ritual. I don't know if they said I do back then, whatever. They, they, but they get married and wedding night. She takes off the veil You're not Rachel. You're her older sister. The Bible says you got nice eyes, but nothing about form and appearance. <laughs> I got a problem with this. I have been tricked. He, he, the knot's been tied. He's now married to the older sister. So the next morning, you know where Jacob is. He's at Laban's door. Hey, Laban, I got a problem. You tricked me. I married the older sister. She's nice, but she's not that nice. Where's, where, where is Rachel? Because you're right. I did trick you. But do you really want to marry Rachel? I want to marry Rachel. You knew that from the beginning. Here's the deal. Another seven years and you can marry her. That's like 2014. I think a lot of guys would have cut their losses and say, hey, I'm out of here. But he works another seven years and he marries Rachel. Moms tell their boys stories. 
And I think Rachel sat down with Joseph and said, Joseph, I had a dream. My dream was I was going to marry Jacob. And if you'll be patient, no matter what life throws at you, and don't let go of it, have faith and patience in God, and he will bring you the promises. I waited 14 years. It was hard years, 14 hard years. But I married your father. Remember, you'll have a dream. One day, Joseph, God will give you a dream. And whatever you do, be patient and wait for that dream to come to pass. Would he need that? He would need that. He spent 10 years in jail. Finally, he interpreted the dream of the butler and the baker. The baker didn't turn out so good, but the butler turned out pretty good for him. You can read the story. The butler goes back to serve in the king's house, and Joseph says to him, Hey, you know, you're going back to see the Pharaoh, and uh, when you're there, put in a good word for me. That would really help. Like, I, I want to get out a jail-free card, okay? Help me on that. So he goes, butler forgets. Two years more of waiting. But he remembers, Mom taught me to be patient. Be patient. Had the butler done it right away, Pharaoh would not yet have had his dream. God had to wait for the dream of Pharaoh. Because when Joseph would interpret that dream, he'd be promoted to prime minister. Sometimes we get ahead of God's timing and we miss our destiny by patience was one of the keys to staying in the race. If you've got nothing else, that's a good one to keep, to finish strong. You've you got to work with patience. Number three, what you compromise to keep, you end up losing. Don't allow yourself to be used against your better judgment. He learned this from Leah, his stepmom, also his aunt. Rachel and Leah are sisters. Jacob married both of them. Leah, on that day of the wedding, Leah could have done something. I don't know all the cultural ramifications of this, but I think Leah could have stepped up and said to Rachel, or maybe even to Jacob on the day of the wedding, she could have said, Jacob, it's not me. It's not Rachel. It's not what you think. I'm actually Leah. This is a setup. Don't do it. But she doesn't. She goes through with the wedding. Why did she go through with the wedding? She said, well, you know what? At least I'll have a husband. I'm compromising, but at least I'll have a husband. At least I'll have some kids. And she compromises, and she ends up living a life where her husband tolerates her, but he loves Jacob. Now, Joseph, as a young man, he watches this. And he says to himself, you know what? I'm not going to compromise. Because when you compromise to keep something, you end up losing what you're after. I'm going to remember that the rest of my life. Number four, money can flow through your hands, but don't let it stick to your fingers. Think about Joseph, CEO, second command of Egypt. The king gave him his ring and said, here's my ring. That's like you given a credit card with a billion dollars on it, and it's always replenished as fast as you spend it. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. This is what he gets. He has all the money, all the power that he would like in Egypt. The Sphinx is now a thousand years old. Pyramids have been there for a while. Egypt is still in its glory days, and he rules the land, has all this money at his disposal, but he, not a, he doesn't get corrupted by the money. Where did he learn that from? I think he learned it from Laban. Laban taught him how not to do it. He was only at his grandpa's estate for six years, maybe seven, but he learned something there. 
Have you, did there some things that your mom and dad did that you say, I am not going to do that. I'm just going to make a choice right now. My dad drank. He came home drunk. He hit my, my mom when he came home drunk. And I am not going to drink. I've made up my mind. Or maybe your dad did something else or your mom did something or your brother did something. And you said, that's it. I will never do that. Joseph, as a young man, said, there are some things that I am not going to do. And I will not let money have me. We know that the love of money is the root of all evil. He saw his grandpa had the love of money. And he said, I am not going to get uh, affected by that. Uh, avoid the worship of idols. His grandpa Laban was also a man who worshipped idols. As a young boy, Joseph would have walked with his grandpa like young boys do. And he would have come up with his grandpa to an idol. And he would have said, ah, grandpa, what is this? And grandpa says, oh, that's one of my gods. He says, well, grandpa, it has eyes, but grandpa, can it see? No, it can't see. I made it has eyes, though. Grandpa, it has legs. Can, the, can this god walk? No, it can't walk. Oh, it has a mouth, grandpa. Can it talk? No, it can't talk. Grandpa, this is your god. It's one of my gods. Joseph made a decision. I will not serve that kind of God. My dad told me about a God who's living, powerful, speaks, and moves. I will serve that God. When he got to Egypt, they worshipped the cat. They worshipped the crocodile. They worshipped the cow. They worshipped the beetle. They built monuments to them. There were priests dedicated to this. The lady he would marry came from a tribe that had that. But Joseph was unaffected by the worship of idols. Somewhere in his life, he made a decision. I will have no other gods before me. I will worship one God. How did he finish strong? He said, man, I want to finish strong. I want to cross the finish line. I want to be like Paul. I want to finish strong. Set no other gods before you. Number six. Human affection alone will not cause you to finish strong. He had a coat of many colors his dad gave to him, but he lost it. The boys took it off him. Dipped it in goat's blood, brought it back to the dad and said he died. Human affection is good. But human affection alone is not going to make champions. Champions need trials. Champions need trouble. Champions need to be tested. That's why the Bible says, Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, that the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. Want to finish strong? I hate to tell you this, but you're going to go through some trials in life. This guy, Joseph, had to graduate from Desert University before he got to be prime minister. And God enrolls all of us in Desert University at some time or another in our life. What's Desert University? I don't think I want to go there. If you want to finish strong, God will place you there. That's the university where you sometimes wonder, God, where are you? God, why is this happening to me? And that's the place where God forms you and fashions you when Joseph was in prison. At one point, he said, it says in the Psalms, he thought he was going crazy. It wasn't an easy time. But when he graduated, he had shoulders big enough to carry the responsibility of being prime minister. They say three things trap men, glitter, gals, and gold. You think about it. But yet Joseph ran the course, finished, and none of those things stuck to him. Finish strong. He learned lessons in life. Number seven, listen to your conscience. 
Take a stand, even if it's lonely. Work on your character. God will take care of your destiny. Put character before performance. In the movie Cool Runnings, we're thinking about showing that on Friday night. We'll have a lot of fun with that. In the showing on Cool Runnings, the coach comes in and he's talking to Darice. You remember the Jamaican bobsledding team, Calgary Olympics? What a story that was. True story. The coach goes in and he talks to Darice. And Darice asked him a question. He said, Coach, how come you cheated? Joseph would have asked his relatives, Why did you do that? We can learn lessons from others. And his coach goes on really to explain to him that it's not about the gold medals. That really does not define you. Something much better defines you. Your character is much more important than those gold medals. Here's a clip from Cool Runnings. It'll help you understand this point. You in here? Hey, coach. Oh, there you are. How are you feeling? All right. Good, good. You all set to follow in your father's footsteps? I think so. You think so? All right. I know so. That's more like it. We're going to go grab a bite to eat. You want to join us? No. I didn't think so. I'll pick you something up. Hey, coach. Yeah? I have to ask you a question. Sure. But you don't have to answer if you don't want to. I mean, I want you to, but if you can't, I understand. You want to know why I cheated, right? Yes, I do. That's a fair question. It's quite simple, really. I had to win. You see, Therese... I'd made winning my whole life. And when you make winning your whole life, you have to keep on winning, no matter what. You understand that? No, I don't understand, coach. You had two gold medals. You had it all. Therese, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, You'll never be enough with it. Hey, coach. How will I know if I'm enough? When you cross that finish line, you'll know. Great little quote. What's he telling him? He's telling him, gold medal. It's not going to make you happy. Performance, what you win by performing, will not define necessarily your character. We can think of athletes today that could be competing in these Olympics, but they cheated on their character and they're not there today. So he's trying to help this young man finish strong. He'll finish strong if he realizes it's not about two gold neck, gold medals hanging around your neck. It's about what's inside, about the character and the values, the moral principles. Joseph grew up in a dysfunctional home. He saw his brothers acting immorally. He saw a lot of junk, but he made some choices. I will finish strong. I have got a dream. I have got a destiny. God's given me a purpose, and there's things that I will do and things that I will not do that I can cross that finish line and finish with strength. 
Number eight, it's a big one. Number eight, sexual sins steal your strength. Remember, sooner or later, play day is followed by payday. And we can all think of somebody who is doing great, great in their marriage, great in their business, great in their church, great in their community, great in their political career, and then play day came, and they don't finish strong. They drop off the radar screen. You don't hear them again. They don't serve like Joseph for 80 years and finish strong. Sexual sins are a big one. Where did Joseph learn this? Because he was tempted. Oh, yeah. You know the story of Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife, she was beautiful. She wasn't some old nag. She was a a nice-looking lady. And he's an 18-year-old guy. Same hormones as any other 18-year-old in another country, away from his family. If he ever had a setup, ever an opportunity to sin, and who would know this would be it? And yet he says to her when she comes at him, not once, but repeatedly trying to seduce him. He was a handsome man. He got his good looks from his mom. And when she tried to seduce him, he he didn't say, I will not. He said, I cannot do this. I can't do this. I fear God. I can't do this to Potiphar. I can't do this in front of my God. I cannot do this. He let her have her jacket. He ran. He fled. He got framed for it, thrown in jail for it. He said, I can't do this. Where did he learn this? Why such deep conviction? Why not give into it like so many other men would? What did he have that caused him to get through that and finish strong? I think he remembered Dinah, his sister. Dinah, his sister, said to her family, you know what? I want to go out and be with the daughters of the land. That's today's world. That's mom and dad, I'm going to the nightclub. Mom and dad says, no, we don't want you to go to the nightclub. Hey, I'm old enough. You don't rule me anymore. I'm going to the nightclub. She goes to the nightclub. She goes to this place. The prince in the country, the owner of the nightclub, has eyes for her. Says, come over here. She's just playing the part. Doesn't really know the rules yet. Long story short, she's raped. Comes back home, mom and dad, I'm so ashamed. I got bad news for you. I went down there. You told me not to. I was abused. Dad's upset. Mom's heart's broken. Dad's heart's broken. The brothers, they flip out. Oh, yeah, you got to read the story. I'm not going to tell you what happens. It's an interesting read. Some of you guys are laughing because you read the book. Go find it in Genesis. They're pretty tricky, what they did, but they, they got their revenge. It was messy. It was ugly. And Joseph sees that and goes, Dinah did that, and it was a mess. Don't want that. Then he looked at his brother Reuben, older brother. Joseph's not very old, and his mom dies, giving birth to his younger brother Benjamin. His dad, as you can imagine, remember that was his sweetheart, his Valentine's sweetheart. He lost Rachel, but he also married Leah. Leah had a maidservant. He'd also taken her as a wife. Complicated, I know. Anyhow, Reuben, his older brother, after in the, in the mourning period of this stepmom dying, Jacob's sweetheart, 
Reuben, and Joseph is watching this, Reuben gets eyes for his stepmom, Leah's maidservant. And Joseph sees his brother having a sexual relationship with his stepmom, and he goes, that grosses me out. And the ramifications of it are Reuben loses his inheritance, which was a double portion of his firstborn, and his dad later on gives it to Joseph. Joseph looks around as a young man and says, if I'm going to finish strong, I am going to run from every sexual sin, and I'm going to keep the sex life between me and my wife in marriage. Thank you very much. I don't care what you think. I'm going to finish strong, and I know sexual sins are going to take me down. So he learned the lesson. Finish strong, avoid sexual sins. Number nine. It's supposed to be a, a fun message, you know. I, I, very somber right about now. <laughs> Finishing strong is fun. Winning is fun. But I don't know, sometimes the training and the life stuff along the way is you've got a purpose just to do the right thing and make the right choice. Number nine, stay by the well of living water, and you will have a fruitful life. Genesis 49:22. it reads, Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. What does that mean? Jo- Joseph is a fruitful bough. It means that there was fruit in his life. Not only for him, it was also for his family. It said his, the bough went over the wall. That means outside his family, in his country, he was fruitful in his life. Many people benefited by him. Why? Very simply, because he was by a well. If you're planted in the house of the Lord, you flourish. If you're planted in God's word, you flourish. One of the things that Cheryl and I will often pray about that, will, that just cause us to cry is when we see people, they find God, they get planted. Then a little thing trips them up. Something comes along. Somebody says, hey, come back over here. And they're no longer planted in the house of the Lord. Year go by, two years go by. Yeah. And sometimes it's like this. You know what? I'm coming to church, but actually I'm doing something else over there. And if God's really concerned about it, it'll get pointed out. Because it didn't get noticed, it must be okay. Don't, you can't fool God. Be like Joseph. Planted. Stay in faith. Focus on Jesus. Author, finisher of our faith. This is a really important message. You know one of the reasons I think it's important? I saw the importance of it after watching the opening ceremonies. It's a sports event, right? Right? I watched opening ceremonies. I thought it was a spiritual event. Really? I thought, this is a sports event? This is a spiritual event. I went away from that that Canadians are spiritually hungry and spiritually confused. Think of some of the things we had going on there. And I mean, I liked it. I thought it was amazing. And I, I loved all the, the work that went into it. And I thought a lot of seeing the parade of nations, so many great things. But I'm just saying another perspective from it. I thought, there's a little bit of confusion here. We had a song about, I believe, Canadian Olympic Broadcast Media Consortium wants Canadians to believe in the magic of the Olympic Games. Well, I see where they're coming from. 
But if I say, I believe, my question is, you believe in what? It's nice to believe, but you got to believe in something. Remember, Bob Dylan used to say, you got to serve somebody. He had a song, you got to serve somebody. you got to believe in something. You believe, but you can't believe in a vacuum. You can't believe. So, the song for it is, if you just believe, you can move mountains with dreams. i got news for you. Dreams don't move mountains. Faith moves mountains. Faith in a God-moving mountain. Mountain-moving God. That's what moves mountains. Just want to pull back all the clouds, all the mystique, and just get it right. Get it straight. It's a nice song. I'm not taking anything away from that. Don't send an email if you like. Yes. But anyhow, <laughs> it won't set you free. It's not, it's not truth. It's nice. It celebrates Olympics. I get that. But when I, when I hear that, I just see there's spiritual confusion. Leonard Cohen, his song, Hallelujah, that was sung. It doesn't matter what you heard, the holy or the broken hallelujah. I only know a holy hallelujah. I know the song ends different. And it's, it's kind of a confusing song to listen to in the first place. I don't know what the lyrics meant. But folks, when I sing hallelujah, my hallelujah is directed to Jesus Christ. I direct it to him. And so they sang hallelujah, but it's like, do you get it? Do you know what it is? It was just, I felt like there was a spiritual confusion. In the air when I watched those ceremonies. Then we had a, the bewitched canoe, the flying canoe that came down from the ceiling with the devil in it. It comes from a French Canadian tale of voyagers who make a deal with the devil. So you go, okay, I look at what's all that? You know, it's like, I, I couldn't figure it out. But I guess it's got French Canadian, but anyhow. There was a fiddle song called Devil in the Kitchen. Joni Mitchell sang, I've looked at life from both sides now. I think this sums it up. From win or lose, and still somehow, it's life illusions, I recall. Then she says, I really don't know life at all. Let me introduce you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to find life, you'll find it in Jesus. You know, sometimes I think Canadians are acting ashamed of their spiritual roots. Our spiritual roots is a strong Christian foundation. It's the truth. Jacques Carchet, to commemorate the founding of Montreal, the well-known French explorer wrote in his diary, we all kneel down in the company of the Indians with our hands raised toward heaven, yielding our thanks to God. Louis de Frontenac, in the 1600s, Governor of Canada declared at the first assembly, the first assembly, as for me, I shall esteem myself happy in consecrating all my efforts, and if need be, myself itself, to extending the empire of Jesus Christ throughout all this land. George Brown, father of Confederation, founder of the Globe and Mail, which you read, at his funeral, they said of him, by his pure life and conversation, he, he commended the religion of Christ. He was sustained by his trust in God and in the blood of the Redeemer. Sir Samuel Leonard Tilly, Premier of New Brunswick, Father of Confederation, in his prayer time, he came back from devotions. They were wondering, what do we call Canada? He said, we shall name it the Dominion of Canada. I read in my devotions, Psalm 72, verse 8, he shall have dominion from sea to sea. On his tombstone it was written, his trust was in Jesus, the author of life, as we talked about. John Robson, two blocks away, Robson Street. He was a journalist, B.C. Premier, Cabinet Minister, 
and he wanted to have public schools in B.C. And he went on to say, not only want public schools in B.C., I believe that the Bible should be taught in every class, the Lord's Prayer recited, and moral training based on Christianity. This is roots here. Most of, a lot of our universities were founded by the church. Dalhousie, Queens University, McMaster University, just to name a few. Louis Riel, founder of Manitoba, in his diary wrote, God has everything in his care. Have confidence in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I love you. I love everything associated with you. Robert Staniel Weir, we sang his song. We prayed his prayer that day at the opening ceremonies. Every time you go to a hockey game, you pray his prayer because he wrote, O Canada. O Canada is a prayer. He was a judge. He was an author. And he wrote, O Canada. George Vanier, we know the Vanier Cup. He said this, let us first seek faith, faith in God above everything, faith in Christ, in his church, and loyalty to our religious and moral and cultural heritage. John Diefenbaker, when he introduced the Canadian Bill of Rights, he said, it begins with the Parliament of Canada affirming that the Canadian nation is founded upon principles that acknowledge the supremacy of God. Joseph lived in a time when there was confusion. Folks, in our day and age, we could be confused. But if we want to finish strong, we need to go back and say, my faith is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Yeah. I don't want you to get it wrong. I like the opening ceremonies. I thought it was amazing. But from a spiritual observation, there's a vacuum and a hunger in our nation. Canadians are hunger, hungry for spiritual truth. That was very evident. Lastly, we don't have time to go into it, but pride and uh, was de- pride will destroy you from finishing strong. He had humility and he had forgiveness in order to finish strong. We could spend time on that. However, we'll leave that for another day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.